All right, we're going to take a second and talk about our sponsor, Fishing Complete Inc. Fishing Complete Inc. is a local Michigan soft plastic company. Out of Canton, Michigan. They are, indeed. Dan and I got a little experience using their plastics on the Detroit River. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, we a little used, bumpy out there. A little bumpy out there. Uh, we used the uh, their walleye worm. We used the pintail worm. And uh, Brandon was even using the uh, baby swim magic yeah. at one point. So pretty pretty awesome stuff. Um, nice to actually get some experience using them. The uh, The walleye worm was uh, was killer for me. I was using a black walleye worm with an orange tail. That was pretty sweet. Um, yeah, everybody started following suit. Yeah, literally everybody was like, you got more of those? And I just happened to have a bag full of them that um, Fishing and Pleated hooked me up with. Um, but their pintail worm, I know you were using that for a little bit, Dan. Yeah, sure um, my wife was using a pintail worm at one point. So um, pretty killer. So excited to use those for bass season, though. We get into wacky rigging, Texas rigging, drop shot. So I'm excited for that. But at least we know they work for walleyes. For the walleyes. Walleyes. Yeah, so... Um, get socked up on them and use code TERRIBLE. Not terrible. not terrible like Charles Barkley. Not terrible. Not terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. T-E-R-R-I-B-L-E. All capital letters. Terrible. And get 20% off of your order. Save a little money. So. Excludes RS Nets and Miller Tech batteries. Yeah. So get get a whole bunch of other gear and plastics. Save a little bit of money. 20% off. So check them out. Fishingcompleteinc.com. This is Keith Stan from Pike Spearing Outdoors, and you're listening to the Terrible Outdoorsman Podcast. We're probably going to mess up. We're going to cuss here and there. If I'm not catching anything, I might as well not be catching a muskie. Hey, Rick. We Josh. got weights and fish. Danny Irvin with Fishing Complete. You're listening to the Terrible Outdoorsman Podcast. <laughs> Mr. Green Jeans. That's a humble bumble. Hi, this is Spencer Berman from Spencer's Angling Adventures, and you're listening to the Terrible Outdoorsman Podcast. Snort. All right, welcome to the Terrible Outdoorsman Podcast. Got Ryan Collin, your host, and Daniel Sun, and uh, Bob will be joining us shortly. He's just uh, just kind of strolling in, so he'll join us shortly. And then um, we got uh, kind of a cool guest again. So we got Chad Stewart from the DNR. Um, he is back. He didn't ghost us. He's back. He must have enjoyed his time the first time, so he's back. So uh, <laughs> so welcome, Chad. Thanks, Ryan. You, usually it's the 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 podcast people that ghost me they have me on one time and it's like all right we can't do that again yeah it's a, so thanks for having we're, me. we're a different type of podcast i guess <laughs> we don't ghost anybody we're the terrible outdoorsmen it take a lot for us to ghost anyone so yeah i appreciate you coming on i know we were going to do this like a month ago and i ended up getting the plague he was yeah. he was out for the count too that was uh we actually talked about that on last week's episode uh <laughs> about me being sick but, mm-hmm. so i appreciate you rescheduling um i know we want, been wanting to put this together for a little bit but um so we just wanted to kind of recap i know we had you on uh back in october we talked about the new um dnr app the uh the mandatory harvest reporting we talked about cwd a little bit of everything so I kind of want to, now that you have that data, we've got uh, some metrics and everything from the 2022 season, kind of want to take a minute just so the listeners can kind of get whatever you guys learned from that data. I know, um, you know, there was a lot of controversy around the app and reporting and things like that, and we can get into that, but I really, I want to, all right, now let's start with just um, how did it go? How did, how did the, I guess the app and the mandatory harvest reporting, like, What's your impression of that um, to start with? 
Yeah. Um, I, you know, I mean, I think the most important thing is like the, the, the online app, the, the, the reporting system, it, it, it didn't crash. You know, there was, I think anytime you start something new and, and especially around like opening day, there's always that fear like, oh my gosh, is what happens if it doesn't work right? And uh, we that didn't happen. Uh, yeah, we, so we had so talked credit, about that at one point the, about like opening day. Was this going to be able to withstand yep. the amount of, you know, uh, submissions they were going to get on opening day? <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, I, I think I think everybody thinks that, you know, I think there's, you know, I, I'm not a tech person. So I'm sure the people that are probably a little bit more in, closer to it or sitting there thinking like, no, nah, there's no way we can definitely handle this, you know, amount of volume or traffic or whatever. Um, but you know, being not from the tech world myself, you know, you sit there and think, oh man, what, what would happen if that were to go off on the first year? But, but it did. So, you know, you huge hats off to the people that put that together. Um, honestly, I think it was fairly well received by, uh, by sportsmen. I mean, and, and my sort of proof in that is we had over 300,000 deer submitted through, that program that for in the first year, that's, that's a pretty incredible number to yeah. think about it. So, yeah, that's a, that's um, a lot. It's a lot of participation on the first time. Right. And they're really, yeah. um, you know, looking back at it, there wasn't, I didn't feel like there was a ton of, I guess, advertisement, like the DNR promoting it. Like, I didn't know, like, like you were on Michigan out of doors and it was in the hunting book, but like, I just feel like with just normal, like, hunters talking about it and things like that to have that type of response. Like that's pretty impressive, honestly. Man, that makes me feel bad because I feel like I talked about it a lot in the fall. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it, it, I think it just goes to show you that like, no matter how much, you know, you talk or you put out, you can only reach so many people sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we so, obviously, we talked about it cause like of what we're like, we're obviously big into the hunting world and, and, we were talking about it like every week, but I just wonder about the, those hunters, those guys who only go out opening day, you know, they don't bow hunt. Like how did they get that information? Like they go to their local mom and pop party store up uh, party store up North to get their hunting license. They don't even grab a rule book. Like how did those guys get that information? You know, like, but you know, to your point over 300,000, like that's impressive. Now, do you think that like, what do you think the participant, participation rate is like compared to how many deer were actually harvested. Do you have like an estimate of how many deer actually got harvested compared to how many were actually reported? Yeah. So this is, this is where it's going to get a little tricky. Um, it, so yes, I, I, I do have a number, um, you know, the number I'm, I'm kind of struggling with and I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Typically we, uh, we estimate somewhere around like 400,000, you know, 380, 400, you know, somewhere in that range is kind of what we've been estimating. So that, that made a lot of sense to me when that number comes through that, okay, we ended around 300,000, you know, it would kind of make sense that we maybe saw three out of four deer, right? If we get 300,000 coming through our system, we estimate 400,000 and that's about a 75% success rate. And that, I don't know, it sounds kind of good. It sounds kind of right. Well, our survey guy um, finished up a, the, the survey. I mean, he's still kind of working on it, but he doesn't expect it to change much. And he's estimating uh, a harvest of about 331,000. Okay. And that's, that's kind of a, it's kind of a head scratcher to me because man, I, I just don't, 
it doesn't seem quite right that we saw like 90, I think it was 91% of the deer that came through the system. That seems really good. So I don't know if uh, his estimates are just a bit low or, or what's going on there, but um, you know, that it's just kind of what we have to work with based on the survey response and trying to make everything work. But um, how many surveys did you you get? You're talking the mail surveys, right? The mail surveys that go out, it goes out, it goes out to a a random subset of hunters. It's how we've always done it. Um, And then, you know, based on their response, we build what's called a confidence interval around it. So, you know, do we know the exact number? No, of course not, but we can get a, what we call a sort of a midpoint estimate. And then we have, you know, a a statistically uh, relevant boundary built around that. So we sort of have a really good idea if it's between two different numbers. Um, and the reason we shifted to this online harvest reporting program is that that estimate range has started to keep widening because people have not been returning their, their surveys at the same rate as they were 20 years ago. So um, we, we felt like we had to make a change. Ultimately, I think this data is going to be a little bit uh, better. I think it's going to be better accepted by the hunting public. And I think it'll give us exactly what we need to make our, our recommendations moving forward. And, you know, we can talk a little bit here about, you know, some of the new stuff that's coming out of it that, you know, historically we haven't been able to, to estimate from our surveys, but we can now as we dive into everybody reporting and giving us a lot of information about their deer. Yeah. I mean, you've got a, you think about, you know, two years ago, how many, how many surveys did you guys get on between, I don't, I don't remember them. I know we talked about this, but between surveys and then the deer check stations, like how many deer did you get in 2021 that you were actually, that were actually reported? Yeah, we, I think we've been seeing in the past couple of years, at least from check stations, uh, somewhere between, I'm going to say probably about 12 and 18,000 deer that are coming through our check stations. So quite the it's difference. pretty much, <laughs> yeah, it's, and it's almost exclusively during the firearm season too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that makes sense because that's when most of the deer are getting harvested, but you know, you're missing, you know, really the, the early archery component and you're missing a lot of the late season stuff too. And I mean, let's be, let's be fair that hunters, hunters' attitudes and their decisions on, in terms of what they harvest changes as it gets later in the year. Yeah. You know, if you've got, if you've got a tag sitting in your pocket in uh, December, you know, and I won't speak for every hunter because that's certainly not the case, but you know, some hunters will start shooting deer in, in like the late season of muzzleloader season that they would not have shot in early bow season. Yeah. Well, I'm the same way. Like I held off on shooting a doe early season uh, for the first couple of weeks and just because I was, you know, waiting. I kind of wanted to see their patterns. I wanted to, I was holding off on a buck and, but yeah, once we got in towards the end of November, like if I saw a doe, like it was, it was not going to last. And then I never saw any does. So that's how it rolls. <laughs> uh, Bob, exactly how it goes Bob has joined us, Chad, just so you know. So he's on. Yo, yo, yo. What up, What's happening? <laughs> um, yeah. So, uh, all right. So, so you said that, um, obviously the system with, withheld it, uh, the, you know, kind of the influx of submission. So what other, uh, I guess, pros out of the, do you have out of the first year? What are some of the, I guess, the wins that you had? 
Yeah, um, you know, the, the system held up really well. We had, uh, I think, a really good response rate from our hunters come through. Um, I think one of the cooler things, and, you know, I, I, I got to keep plugging this too, is, you know, the, the app that we developed, I think, was really cool as well. Um, now you've got, you know, everything right on your, your, your hand of your, with your cell phone, um, all your base license, your fishing license, you know, all those other things that um, they always used to email to you. And then you'd always have to save it somewhere on your phone um, just in case you get checked. Yep. Um, and I, I thought one of the cooler things from, I guess, a hunter engagement standpoint was our, I call it our real-time data and our reporting data. And we were talking about this a little bit earlier that, you know, just to be able to go in, especially if you're a total deer nerd, data nerd type kind of person, you can sit there and look at the information coming through, um, you know, harvest by county, harvest by deer management unit, track those trends, see how it goes by season. And I think it's really, I think it was really eye-opening for a lot of hunters and, and they'll get a better appreciation for the impact of some of our regulations as seeing this data coming through um, day by day, week by week. Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the, I guess the cooler things for us, because like I said, and before we got on, like we, we were tracking it every week and, and, and looking at like, we kind of had a side bet going of like where we thought <laughs> the number was going to be like November 1st. And then I know we had one like after opening, like, opening weekend of gun season where was it going to be like we had some side betting going i think i won that didn't i yeah you did still, I, didn't, still didn't get paid out yet though. i still didn't yeah you guys owe me oh <laughs> uh, but I, I we had one for like what the total number was going to be um uh, it was just fun to do but there was times where like we you know we'd look at the harvest number at the beginning of the episode and then an hour and a half later jason would update us and it's up by like 400 numbers you know like 400 harvest numbers it's like it's climbing that fast it's real time data like while we're recording like it's completely changing like it was very cool to see um for us like i mean again i'm a data nerd too like i love seeing that stuff so um it was fun to follow along we might have overdid it we probably oh, we 100% overdid it like we may have lost some listeners for it but it was it was fun it, it for was, us it was care. like a, it was like an hour by hour on the podcast thing like every time yeah oh jason ran with it though like he is such a data nerd like, <laughs> you're like oh somebody shot one in ingham county <laughs> well he was breaking it down by county oh, geez, and he was like um, you know, there's been no does shot in this county, but there's been 79 bucks shot. And I'm like, oh my God. Yeah, he was breaking it. He's really he's sitting at work, like with his data. Excel sheets, and he's like comparing it and <laughs> nerding it up. You know, and yeah. that's what I deal with at work every day. I mean, I, I deal with data at work too. And so it's kind of, yeah, it's just. Yeah. It's, it's easy. I, to I wouldn't like it if I had to do like for work. At least I don't think. Maybe if it was around hunting or fishing, like you I'm looking like at. I don't like it either. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't mind data because it it allows you to kind of see trends and things like that. Yeah. I, I like. Yeah. I actually like being able to go and look at county by county. Yeah. How how many you know the buck to doe ratio and things like that right. in, in one county in the UP versus one in you know yeah, I I like that stuff. I'm, yeah. I'm kind of I like to nerd out on data. Don't lie. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so what, what's the number? Sorry, Ryan. No good. What, so I'm I'm actually reading a, an article kind of as we speak. It's from uh, it's from Michigan Radio. It's Michigan's NPR news leader. It says, and it's at michiganradio.org. And it says here that over five hundred and fifty, yeah, five hundred and fifty thousand hunters purchased a deer license, and amounted to a one percent decrease in the previous year. The number of Michigan hunters has been declining, but the number of out of state hunters is rising. 
So what's your opinion? I guess what's your take on, on why that would be is, and that was a topic that we talk about is Michigan not being a destination. They, they haven't you know? hunted in Michigan yet. <laughs> That's so what I'm saying. They so they haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> yeah. Give them one year, it'll it'll go back down. And so is that? Some, I mean, I guess Chad, what would be your your initial take on? I guess what would be the rise in out of state hunters coming to Michigan? Yeah, um, I think the rise is gosh, you know, whether it's just people that are coming back home to, to hunt with family members. Um, I know I talked with, uh, my, my counterpart in Wisconsin and he says, you know, they've done surveys of their non-resident hunters. He says quite a bit of them are Wisconsin born and raised, moved out of state for, for work, but, you know, come back into state for the tradition of, you know, deer hunting. And, and I would bet there's probably quite a bit of that that's still happening in Michigan too. Um, you know, we have, you know, relatively cheap out-of-state licenses, um, you know, so that, that might be somewhat appealing for a few folks. Um, you know, maybe maybe some folks like just hunting something different, like a, like a Northwoods or the UP, certainly, um, just to get a different experience, maybe not to, to go after, you know, a, a big buck or seeing a lot of deer, because a lot of those places don't have quite as many. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to say, you know, I think, I think the big thing is that the number of non-resident hunters that we have is still still pretty small compared to you know the number of resident hunters that we have and the number of resident hunters that we're seeing decline year to year is um, pretty consistent with at least proportionally with what other states are seeing. It's just our drop off looks a lot bigger because you know we we have a, a much bigger starting number to you know to begin yeah, with. Yep, and it's interesting that. Uh, there's a, a a quote from a gentleman. Uh, his name is Chad Stewart. Within this article, <laughs> I wonder who that guy He's is. Sure. <laughs> and it says, it says, given that this is the first year of doing it, you had over three hundred thousand deer successfully reported through the system, and that they feel the system performed very successfully. Said Chad Stewart. There you go. So it's almost like we just heard that. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Man, I, I, I really, I really got to change my talking points. Right now. <laughs> it's a good quote. I want to get a tattooed on me. There you go. <laughs> I'm trying, try trying to spice up my next comment for there you. Guys. I, I ran into a guy uh, kind of early in the hunting season, and I ran into him at Dunham's. I was just buying some random hunting thing, I think, and and he was purchasing a license and. He, the uh, the counter kid didn't really know anything about counter kid. He didn't. I don't know. Counter nerd, cashier. <laughs> he didn't really know anything about the licenses. So this guy was out of state, and he was purchasing an out of state tag, and he was asking about the difference between combo licenses and this license and that license. So I, I had to like kind of step in and break it down for him. But getting to talk to the guy, he had moved here for work, and he ma- maintained his residency in you know, Indiana or wherever he was from. So he had to buy that out of state tag. So I think um, some of it might be, that might be job growth, you know, people coming to Michigan from out of state in order to, you know, we have the big three here and stuff like that. So you have, you might have some people moving in for a job that are, you know, just wanting to get into hunting here, but good point. not, not necessarily the, residents. Look at the big brain on Bob. I'm just saying that was my own personal experience. <laughs> I, I found it more amusing that the kid selling the license had no idea what, oh the, what the hell he was doing. They uh, don't, you want to hunt with turkeys? I, he's like, I have firsthand experience from those businesses that they do not train their employees at all oh, on how man. to use that machine. So He's like, I, I want to, can, can I shoot a doe with this license? He's like, he didn't even know, I don't even think he knew what a doe was. He's like, yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. I'm like, no, you cannot with that one. <laughs> All right. So, so, um, so Chad, what did you guys learn? I guess what what do you need to work on with the, I guess with not necessarily the app, but maybe the reporting. Are there any changes that you guys are going to make for the upcoming season? Yeah, I, I'm. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe this is like a little preview, and I don't know if this is, is breaking news or whatever. But maybe this will. I need a breaking news button. Breaking news. Repetitive. Repetitive quotes that I keep giving people. So, but you know, I think I think we're going to move away from the drop a point on a map sort of feature. That was. I would say I think controversial is maybe the nice way to put that. Yeah, um, the, the DNR got so many good you know, hunting spots out of that, though. Yeah. Oh my God. There. <laughs> I mean, anytime you talk to anybody who was against the reporting, it was really just because of that. It was because of the yeah. the GPS pin. Like that's all they really cared about. And I, I mean, that's probably for another topic another uh podcast These like people act like they send a text just, message and they don't know where you're at i mean come on yeah like come on i don't know like, i don't know why it's that big of a deal but whatever it's we'll talk about that in a separate podcast but <laughs> they're coming from my guns but yeah like i i think you know that's uh any negativity that i ever heard was around that that pin location so so your your the thoughts are to, to maybe get rid of that for the upcoming season yeah, I think I think what we're going to do is, you know, so if you're hunting in, you know, pick any rectangular county in Michigan, um, instead of dropping the pin on the, the spot that we're asking you to do it, we're asking you to almost pick sort of a, a quadrant out of the county. Okay. So it still gives us a little bit more resolution in terms of scale, in terms of where the, the harvest is occurring, but it preserves you know, the, the integrity or the, the privacy of your exact location. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, you know, the, re the, re the reason we did that to start with was um, largely we wanted, to, we wanted to try to think ahead and, you know, think into the future as, as we start getting chronic wasting disease, which we know is going to expand, you know, where we know we have bovine tuberculosis in part of the state. You know, people, some people are good. That's going to be important to some people. Um, so we can, it can serve as a really good notification system. If you harvest a deer close to a location that we've, you know, had, had a positive animal come from, that might influence your decision to get your deer tested. Um, or it might help us with some of our surveillance saying like, Hey, we, we need samples out of these areas. Can you submit a deer, you know? So we thought it was a really good way to not only help our surveillance, but also, provide a service to hunters and what we found out is a lot of hunters just don't like the idea of just giving their their data up which is not that surprising um you know we we kind of hope we could get past that but I, i'm not sure we could so you know i think the decision's been made that all right maybe maybe we don't need that exact location data um let's let's give them sort of a quadrant area to do that in and yeah. maybe that will be good enough for folks when and yeah. they'll be able to sort of preserve their their exact exact spot their honey hole yeah well it's cool that you guys want to do that though for i mean because i know a lot of people ask like why do they need to know where well to hear that though like that to, to, to look into the future to maybe have that ability to if you know if it's whatever southwest jackson county you shot that deer and there's been multiple reports within that county you get an alert like hey you may want to get this tested like to, to have that ability that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I, I do like the quadrant thing. I mean, I never really cared either way, but I think that'll be better perceived. Do you think you'll have a better, um, 
I guess, response for next year? Like you'll have better reporting numbers by not requiring that? I hope so. Um, you know, I think the I think the idea or the hope is that, you know, year one is just trying to get it established, get the word out. And, you know, year two and maybe even year three, it, it continues to grow a little bit, popularity and usage. And, and eventually it'll it'll plateau somehow. And, and that's what we get is what we get. Um, so we're, we're optimistic that we get a little bit more participation and um, hopefully that's just one piece of that. And also hope it shows that, hope, hope it shows to hunters that, you know, we're trying to be responsive to some of the concerns that are going on. Yeah. So. And I know that's not, that's not necessarily the, the DNR's MO or the reputation. <laughs> I get that, but uh we're, uh, we, we do, we do actually listen. Um, well, know, I think it will go over well though. Like, cause you're right though. That is kind of like the MO, the MO, like people, you know, express their concerns and nothing ever happens about it. But obviously you guys are putting something into place. Like people were very concerned about the, the GPS location, the, the pinning. Um, and you know, you guys made a, made a change. So I think that'll go over well. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's, uh, did you guys account for any like margin of error? Now I know that like it was required that any any deer that you harvest you have to report, but were you guys do you guys account for any level of like all right, we we think that twenty percent or ten percent may not report at all. And I have a second part to that question after you answer that one. Yeah, we you know, we, we were talking a little bit earlier that, you know, we had 300,000 deer reported in and we normally estimate about 400,000 in our harvest. So we were thinking it would probably be in the 20, 25% range. Um, our, our survey guy just recently, you know, crunched some numbers from this past year and, and he came up with uh, a harvest estimate of about 300, I think it was 331,000. So that, that actually puts our compliance rate at about 91%. Now, it doesn't quite sound right to me, if I'm being honest. That seems, that seems really high. Um, so so there's, there's some things that we're going to try to have to figure out there a little bit. But, um, you know, I, by and large, I think we do have really good compliance rates. And as it stands now, it, you know, the number looks like about 90%, but that, that's, that number doesn't quite seem right to me. I think that estimate probably a little bit low because I, I can't imagine we see about 300,000 deer out of 331,000 harvest. It yeah. just seems really high to me. Way too much participation for my, Michiganders. Yeah. <laughs> my, yeah. my, second, my second part of that question was like, we all know that it was required. Um, however, like the Dean arm kind of made it known at the beginning of the season that it's required, but we're not necessarily going to hardcore enforce it this year is yeah. there any plan this year to like any kind of regulatory stuff that's coming out as far as fines or uh you know for you know warnings and, and then and, you know a citation or how to, is there any more like to to go a little bit harder with it this year what as far as the dnr is concerned yeah i think i think the emphasis will still be on education um but but ultimately it's going to be left up to each individual officer in terms of how they they want to enforce that I think I think uh, I think you'll still largely see um, very few tickets written because of a failure to uh, report your deer. There is a piece of legislation that I think is moving forward that will 
take it from that, what's called a misdemeanor to a civil infraction. And that's something that once we develop the reporting mechanism for it, it has to be changed from the legislature. It's not like something that the DNR did. It's just when you when you build that piece of law in through a, what's called our conservation order, it automatically taps into the fines uh, and the penalties that's established in state statute, which is developed by our legislators. So um, I know that there's a bill, and I can't remember the n- number off, it off, off the top of my head, but there's a bill that's going through, I think it just went through the Senate and is awaiting the House um, to reduce that penalty from a misdemeanor to an infraction. And that's something that we are supportive of. Okay. Okay. Thank Very you. Very cool. Very cool. Um, um, any other changes besides the um, the GPS location? Any other any other thing? I guess anything else that maybe not necessarily went wrong, but something that you you feel needs to be improved for next year? Anything you're working on um, adjusting? Um, I think I think for the most part the the season wide. Um, program is is pretty much where we want it to be. Um, obviously, the, the GPS change is going to be a big one. Uh, I know we are working on a reporting mechanism for out-of-season harvest as well. So a lot of times farmers get uh, permits to shoot, shoot deer out-of-season for, for crop damage and stuff. Um, and we want to be fully transparent with that. So we're going to have a dashboard with that and that you can get real-time information on that as well. So we're, we're in the process of building that. I don't think it'll be available for this summer, but hopefully by next year, we'll have that going too. So, you know, you can, if you're a real data nerd, you can look at the out of season and you can look yeah. at the in season stuff, compare them, contrast them, you know, you can get a total cumulative, like this many deer died from a hunter <laughs> shooter type thing that, that we've got a report from for the entire year. You can get down the rabbit hole, man, going to like spend days looking at some of those reporting, I'm sure. Yeah, I guess how do, you really could. How do you guys account for deer that get struck by vehicles? Yeah, I was just I was just gonna ask that. Like, yeah. is there a reporting system that you get for deer that get killed from vehicles? I drive it. down to cold water and I see them like every half mile. Oh, yeah. <laughs> state state farm and all state and yeah. progressive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's um so those numbers are estimated through the Department of Transportation. And there's actually a really cool website. Gosh, I'm probably going to get it wrong, but you, you just have to Google it. Um, it's something like michigandeercrashfacts.com. <laughs> and, legit. Um, I mean, it's straight to Michigan, the point, right? They don't, they don't no, sugarcoat no, no, it at all. <laughs> michigandtrafficcrashfacts.com. Sorry, I, I'm, I'm just so used to saying deer. But there's a filter that you can put in there for deer. And it actually brings it forward. Um, it's they're usually about six or seven months behind, so you won't see 2022's annual report just yet, and probably till sometime this summer. But they do a really good job of summarizing things by county. So we honestly just take a lot of that information and use that as a secondary index in terms of tracking yeah. how some of our conflict stuff go with with vehicle collisions. But it's a it's a really good tool that that they've developed, and I, I think it's uh, accessible to the public. So it's just very little known. You just have to sort of know where to look, and then once you get into it, again, you can dive into a whole lot of really cool data on traffic crash facts. So, but there's nothing that you guys get like from police departments or whatever. Like you don't get anything, so you can utilize that for, as far as for managing the deer herd itself. 
No, it, I mean, I think a lot of the police reports are, are, are funneled through that, that DOT okay. um, website. So that's, that's what we utilize. And, you know, we're, we're not going to be able to do it better than them. So they've got, they've got a really good system in place and we just, we just tap into it. Okay. So something else that I, um, a couple things I heard when you, uh, when you were on Michigan Outdoors uh, last month or so is, um, I found it really interesting the, the amount of people that reported their harvest through their computer compared to who reported it through the app. Can you kind of go through those numbers? Because I was really surprised at, at what you said. Yeah, gosh, I'm trying to remember what I said. I think we had, um, I think it was 87% of the reports came through the internet. So only about 13% went through the app. And, hmm. and I don't think that's, terribly surprising. I mean, the app is brand new. We know it's, you know, I think something that's going to be really popular for a lot of folks once they get, get cued into it. Um, but you know, the, the internet, you know, this is by far the, the, the predominant way which, uh, most of the reports came through. Um, we had, uh, I think 80, about, about 80% of our, our hunters, once they got into the app, they were able to complete their report within, five minutes or less. And that's exactly what we want. We don't want people getting in there and getting bogged down with a bunch of different questions or, or having the interface so complicated that they, they just get frustrated and leave or, yeah. or they give it their effort. So five minutes, um, it's super quick. And even for people who, I'm not going to have this number exactly correct, but for hunters who went to harvest like a second or, or you know third or subsequent deer, that the reporting time de decreased. So once they got familiarity with the system, I think it was closer to like two or three minutes. Yeah. Um, so again, our hope is that once people do this, you know, a couple years in a row or register multiple deer, it's going to become even faster and more efficient for them to get that, that, that report in. Yeah. And hopefully that again, increases uh, response rates for, for hunters with this program. Yeah. I guess just in the, in today's world where it's, you know, everybody's got a smartphone in, in their hand as both these guys are on their smartphone. Oh, I'm looking up data. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking up crap. I'm, I'm on the DNR app. <laughs> yeah. right They're all on the app. It's just a world where the apps I, I, run the world, right? So I would just, I guess I would just, I would assume that the app would be, would have driven this instead of the, the PC side of it. Um, or just the internet side of it instead of like through the app itself. But um, you're right though. I guess I, as more people download the app, I mean, I, I've been preaching it since day one. Like I think it's the best thing the DNR has done in years is that app for even like the fishing license side, deer hunting license side. It's got all your guides in there. Like I think it's phenomenal. Like it's, it's great. I just, I, I was really surprised by it. Hey, I'm not. I'm not reporting my fish. I'll tell you right now. I, I don't have the time for that. You don't catch any. You got nothing to report. I got to get the lure back in the water. Um, I did have firsthand experience with reporting it. I was able to harvest one last year, and like it, you're right. It was very easy. Like first time I had used it, um, it was less than five minutes. Like it was. I mean, very, very easy to use. So, all right. So back to this data thing, real quick. Oh my god! No, this is insane. See what we did? This is insane. Data nerds. All right, so to put things into perspective, based on, again, michigantrafficfacts.org. Oh, well, that's there, where you went. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. There were, <clears throat> there were, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Where's the there were 282,640 total traffic incidents in 2021. 
in the state of Michigan. Take a guess how much of those were deer related crashes. I would bet at least 14. 14,000? At least 14. No, at least just 14. Oh, at least 14 total? I would bet 100,000. So it says here 52,218. So that's 18% of all crashes in the state of Michigan Are from deer. From deer. We have that's too many crazy. We have too many deer. That's insane. We need to kill more deer. That's all there is to it. Yeah, and ten of which were <laughs> ten, ten of which ten of which were fatal. Wow. So that's I mean I mean that's horrible. But <clears> there's your also, data right there. Yeah. Fifty two thousand deer in twenty twenty one. Yeah, twenty twenty one. Fifty two thousand yeah. two eighteen. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> and I'm not a data nerd. <laughs> <laughs> um, so something else that you were talking about, Chad, um, is the ability for you to be able to report for somebody else. You want to take a second and kind of talk about that? Because I think that's really cool because that was another big concern is, you know, guys like our dad who he has a smartphone, but he doesn't know how to use it. Um, yeah, I could just see him like if he did harvest deer last year, he would have had a hell of a time doing it. Yeah, um, what happens if he doesn't have internet at deer camp? Well, that's true. Maybe yeah. maybe Chad can answer that. Yeah, but Same thing. Um, yeah, if you want to talk about that for a second, Chad. Yeah, no, that, that's one of the things that we knew was going to be important. Um, you know, we know that not everybody has internet access. We know that not everybody is going to be proficient with with the internet. Um, and in some cases, we know, you know, there are uh, like, you know, you think about like, you know, some different Amish sects or, you know, other religious sects that, you know, prohibit, you know, the use of it. Um, but they still want to hunt. So that was obviously going to be a point of emphasis um, and, and that's one of the ways we, we built that law is that, uh, you know, you individually don't have to, you know, report your deer. You can get someone to do it for you. Um, and because what we know is that deer hunting by and large is a pretty social activity. You know, most people, you know, run around in a certain circle of, of friends or family that are going to go out hunting and they may or may not hunt together on the same day or the same location, but they're all you know, most hunters know other hunters. Um, so it's just a matter of reaching out and saying, Hey, I shot this deer. Can you help me report this, this harvest, you know, and, and then you've got three days to do it, which is one of the more, uh, longer times for, for a lot of States in the Midwest. The other option that we had was that, you know, hunters could call into, uh, our, our check station, not check station, our DNR offices, and if it's during business hours, uh, you know, we've got staff there that can sort of either walk you through it or in some cases have, have even reported a deer for the individuals. So we tried to be really helpful with that. And one little sort of nugget of information that a lot of people don't know about is that if you actually called after hours, um, you could actually click on some of the, the dial tones and, and go through and actually report your harvest by phone. <laughs> So a lot of people didn't know that. We certainly didn't publicize it very well. I did go through it in a test situation. And let me tell you, it is, <laughs> it takes probably twice as long to report the harvest oh, by sure. phone because everything's touch tone and then they have to play everything back to make sure you, you did the right sequences and stuff. So it's, uh, it's kind of painful to report it that way, but, but the option does exist. And that was turned on. I think right before the firearm season uh, okay. and was available to hunters who called like after hours. Yeah. They could, they could kind of weave through and, and report their harvest that way. Yeah. Cause you know, there's some people out there that have that, uh, 
spin dial landline phone still where you gotta <laughs> spin the you know they do spin the, you know they do for sure you know they do <laughs> Definitely. but that's uh i mean that's cool I, I didn't i didn't realize that was an option we f- i failed most um, yeah well you also well, know how to use people don't. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that's and then the the ability to be able to report for somebody else because i just the deer camp we go to i mean you know those guys up there like there's four guys that are in their late seventies, eighties, they don't even have smartphones. And I was thinking like, how the hell are they going to report their harvest? They were like Michigan when it was still a territory. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Like uh, I just, you know, so, you know, some of us that come up there, they shoot, they shoot something. We can report it for them. I think that's just, um, just cool ability to, I guess, help with that participation. So, yeah. So if any listeners, you know, you don't, uh, don't feel like downloading the app, just, uh, you know, write us up. We'll report it for you. Just email Dan specifically. (laughs) He will submit all your harvest for you. Here's my work email address. (laughs) He has the time to do that. Here's my personal (laughs) phone number. (laughs) Don't call me. I don't have time. All 10,000 listeners. You can call me anytime. (laughs) Oh man. Good stuff. Um, well, anything else on the the mandatory reporting or the app that you want to kind of go over, Chad? I think we kind of covered majority of it. it. Seems like everything was a success. But anything else? You any other points you got on that? No, I think I think just like like we started talking about earlier, some of the data that came out of it, I just think is really cool. Like like we said, and I don't know where you're going to go next, Ryan, but like some of the data that we got out of it is stuff that we've we've never had before, and you know just from my standpoint and my job, it's just kind of cool to dive into some of that information and, uh, you know, see, see, see what's, what's, what it's about and what's coming out of it and really helps you sort of understand some of the impacts of the regulations and the decisions that you make. Do you have any, like, I guess, uh, like really interesting, like data that you found, like coming out of this, like that you probably didn't have before like i know you had talked about like opening day like can you break that down like how many deer were harvested on opening day and like what like what do you what do you have you have any like fun facts or anything like that you learned yeah um so yeah the opening day i I did i did a quick little analysis on this so i guess to put it in perspective you know historically we have always uh, broken down harvest by, by season, right? You know, just X number of deer harvested in firearm season, muzzleloader season, whatever. Um, but we've never really been able to attribute harvest, you know, by day. So we didn't know how the harvest sort of fluctuated, you know, across that season, you know, what were there spikes on, on weekends, you know, does it happen on opening day, you know, second day, you know, how, how does that harvest distributed? So, we, we have that now. And what was really cool um, was that, you know, after going back and looking, we, we had uh, 45,000, almost 46,000 deer reported harvested on opening day this past year. Dang. That's insane. Dang. That's awesome. 46, and keep in mind, opening day was a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> so this, this wasn't like a Saturday opener. This was yeah. a Tuesday. It'd be interesting um, so, to see that to compare that as you like as the years go on to see the difference yeah. of a Tuesday to a Saturday or Sunday or I know. I wasn't one of them I was buried in snow <laughs> that's true <laughs> yeah. we had a foot of snow where we were at I think most of the state was covered in a foot of snow but yeah that's insane that's a ton I mean that's a huge percentage of that you know three hundred thousand that were harvested on one day 
out of the entire what, 90, 90 days of, of hunting season. So, yeah. So for me, what was cool is, you know, I, I started thinking, man, that's a lot of deer to shoot in one day. And then I started thinking, man, how many, how many minutes of, of daylight do we have? for hunters in a day. And then, and then you, you start thinking what that looks like. And it's like, wow, we have, I think I calculated 647 minutes of, of shooting time that's available for hunters. And I'm like, wow, that's, that's, that's way more than like one deer a, a minute for sure. Yeah, no kidding. So then I started thinking about how many seconds are in that. And it came up to about just under 39,000 seconds. So basically <laughs> what the calculation translates to is on opening day, we have about one deer harvested for every 0.8 seconds of daylight. <laughs> Jesus, that's pretty cool. Man. So when we're hearing that's shots awesome. every couple seconds, like that's legit. That's <laughs> pretty cool. Could you imagine hearing that all at once? Though, you know, <laughs> it would be like the most, the fastest machine gun you've ever heard. Yeah, I'd like to see like one of those like uh, heat maps. You know, like yeah. you can see, like you can see like certain like population maps or stuff. Oh, it's, like it's the getting sounds there. Of like all the sounds that you can see like over the state. That'd be that cool. is. Uh, uh, DNR app 2.0. There you, there you go. go. Next year. Yeah. There you go, Chad. Throw that <laughs> into the ringer. Mm-hmm. That, that would be really cool to see, though, to be able yeah. to like pull up a, the state of Michigan and see how many deer were harvested in each part of the state, like on a map size, size thing, and pick like the day. Yeah, for, at least for the data nerds, that would be really cool. Maybe Chad's probably got that. He just, they hide yeah. it. It's like a, yeah. nu- a, nu- a <laughs> nuclear <laughs> firearm bomb <laughs> Michigan on opening day. We, we did generate that for the season, you know, like a heat map of yeah. where the, the reports went. Um, you know, we didn't do it by day, but I, t- I told you. Yeah. Ooh, that would they be cool. Have to have it, yeah. Even to see like a, like a scrolling by day, like it yeah. just keeps like fluctuating. You see like these heat maps going yeah. all of a sudden, like you oh. see, November 15th, like up north, just explodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And dies like the next week. Yep. Nothing happened. Yep. That's pretty crazy. Hey, that's, that's Chad, nuts. how was your season? How did you do? Um, I, uh, I started off very slow. I hit a, I hit a doe in archery season, um, had really good blood and, uh, this, the blood trailed out and I, I lost her. Uh, so I haven't had that happen in a long time. So that, that started off really, really poor for me, but I did redeem myself. And, um, now this, I don't know, this guy above me here is what I got. He oh, was 11 point. Nice. Well, yeah, show um, that to the room. Archery season. Hey, so nice. That's from this cool. year. So, very cool. That's from, that's from the fall. Yeah. I just, wow. uh, yes. that's a beauty. It's like November. Yeah. No, oh, I, I really remember. Happy. I think you posted that's a picture of that. If I remember right. I probably didn't just because of who I am in my job. You know, I'm, oh, that just true. opens me up for a lot of different things. I probably yeah. didn't, but uh, I, I was really happy with him. And uh, did you yeah. report it within 72 hours? <laughs> Absolutely, I probably reported it within 72 minutes. I couldn't wait to register that. Guy. He's not even down from the tree stand. Yeah, for sure. Well, that's awesome. So, no, got, I, I, I can't complain. I was very happy. Well, yeah. congratulations. Yeah, congrats. First-hand experience. Thanks. Maybe uh, these yeah, two guys can uh, join us in that experience. Yes. Someday. That's my bold prediction this year, Chad. We all set predictions, and one of them is uh, shooting my first ever deer this year. So first it's going to happen. Yeah, I got a good feeling about it. It'll happen. Thanks. Yeah, me too. I'm going to wear that app out this year. You're... you're <laughs> <laughs> Wear it out. We'll see what the army tells you to do. Yeah, you may not yeah. wear nothing out. Y'all are gonna get sick of me reporting, dear. Oh, like, oh God! There's a lot again. 
How many tags does this guy have? They're yeah. unlimited. They're free. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, so let's get into CWD for a minute. Um, I know we talked about it a lot back in October, but any anything else that you learned, I guess, this year with the uh, maybe maybe with the reporting, maybe that helped, maybe it didn't. Um, anything else we learned uh, over this season about CWD? Um, you know, I think if we learned anything is we we did a lot of testing really in the, the southeastern part of the state. Um, uh, really put a lot of emphasis there. And what was really fortunate is that we, we didn't identify any positives in really any of those counties. Nice. Um, that was really, really encouraging. So, you know, the number of these counties that we've identified it has been pretty stable. I think we, we picked up, the last one we picked up was either Hillsdale or Hillsdale or Isabella County. And neither one of those were a surprise because uh, we've, we've had CWD uh, right across the county line in, in each instance. Um, so, um, you know, we've been able to do a lot of testing, a lot of surveillance throughout southern Michigan. Haven't really found it uh, broadly distributed in, in many of those areas. And we're actually going to start moving uh, up north, uh, focusing on sort of that northwestern quadrant of the lower peninsula this uh this this coming year and and looking up there and and hopefully if if all goes well we won't find it up there either okay nice is there is there a reason you're you're going up there it just just to check a different part of the state or yep we're 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 trying to rotate through the entire state honestly uh that way if a cwd positive animal pops somewhere we've got a built-in history of testing that will occur and then precede that. So it's not like what we were faced with, say, in 2018 in Montcalm County, when you get a positive animal that pops up and you have no idea what you're dealing with because you haven't done a lot of testing there over the past, say, 10 years or so. Um, and unfortunately, you know, once we get into Montcalm County, we, we start finding quite a few more. Um, but, you know, we we'll have a better understanding now of what we're dealing with if we complete our rotation through. So if, and when a positive animal occurs in a new location, we've got a built-in history to sort of work off of, and that will help inform our approach moving forward. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. You don't want to keep testing in the same area where you know, there's CWD deer, you know, they're there. Right. So you talked about it the last time we were on. So. Yeah, it's a catch-22 because CWD doesn't move very very quickly. You know, it, it just it's like glacially slow, um, but it is progressive. So, you know, to go in there year after year after year, you're pretty much getting generally the same results over and over and over again. You're just saying like, yep, we got more. Yep, we got more. It's still here. Um, but meanwhile, you're kind of neglecting the rest of the state. And we realize we, we can't really do that anymore. And the information that we're getting from those places that have it isn't really that informative anymore. But if you're a hunter in that area that has CWD, you can't just completely pull out because then they're just sitting there saying like, well, uh, I'd really like to get my deer tested, but the DNR completely left us. Uh, so we kind of have to try to balance both of those things where we still have a presence um, in the places that are affected, but we're also giving our due diligence to places that we haven't been to for quite a while and, and doing some surveillance in those areas. Nice. 
Now, one of the things I wanted to get your, I guess, your thoughts on is I just read an article not that long ago about Iowa, and they did this massive deer cull to try to, like, basically uh, uh, slow, uh, flatten the curve, if you will, of CWD. Do you know about that? I'm sure you probably read about that. I'm not sure if I know about this case in Iowa, no. It, it was, uh, so they did this massive deer cull. I just read it in, like, uh I don't remember what which one outdoor news or something like that, but it was thousands of deer that they culled in, in a thought. Look it up, Dan. Dad, a guy, look, look it up. It, up. Um, it was thousands of deer that they had sharpshooters come in to kill to try to. Their thoughts was that they made the herds smaller and they would less likely to be around each other and just thin the herd a little bit. It would flatten this curve of the CWD spread in Iowa. And I, I don't know. There was a lot of controversy around it. Um, it was a really good article. I should. I gotta find it and I'll uh, I'll send it to you guys. Been wanting to talk about it for a while, but I figured like be a good guy to talk about. Um, but I guess if you don't know about it, it might be hard to say. But any thoughts on like, do you think it would be effective to do that? Like, I I feel like Michiganders would freak out if if we did a massive coal like that. Like, I mean, in kind of in a way. We do, but not in like, not not like so, like fast. You know what I'm saying? Like not you're not just like bringing in sharpshooters to go in there and smoke. You know, a whole county's worth of deer. I think that we change regulations and things like that in order to like improve the chances of or tags and licenses and things like that to for people to be able to take more deer in those CWD areas to kind of lessen the numbers or thin the herd type thing but like yeah i mean i don't think that uh yeah <laughs> i think everybody would freak out if they were bringing in like sharpshooters i haven't i haven't heard about this either i don't know what's going on so it looks like it's an Did urban learn- it's an urban deer management plan it looks like based on what i'm increased reports of damage to property resident complaints and ecological impacts of deer overabundance are three important reasons why the city in by the city formed a deer committee to explore deer management. And this was related to um, CWD, though, is what what they had did they had done. Yeah, this is this article is not it then. Ryan, you think in Iowa or is it Illinois? Maybe it was Illinois. Could've, I thought I thought it was Iowa. Be Illinois. Googling. Yeah, I guess it could have been. It could have been Illinois. Ill- I'm going to put on my tinfoil yeah, hat. Yeah, for Illinois. Minute. Illinois has adopted a pretty aggressive approach with their chronic wasting disease management, where they they do have their staff go out, you know, in the winter time, and and they'll probably shoot. I don't want to. I don't want to put a number on uh, how many deer they take because I don't know. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's a thousand or more. Um, they they are out you know, spread out over several different counties shooting deer um, to try to keep CWD not gone, not not eliminated, but like you said, to sort of flatten the spread and keep it tamped down as much as possible. Yeah. Um, oh, this is nuts. So here, it says the CWD rate has increased in the state of Illinois from 15% to 50% during the, since 2003. Fifty percent, like as in fifty percent of fifty percent of the deer herd. Basically, what this is saying. So that <clears throat> sounds sounds not, ridiculous. That's yeah. that's not. Yeah, that's not true. That's no, way too high. Be. That's yeah. There might be some local spots that maybe have reached that high or fifty percent in, in like antler deer, but there's no way it's at fifty percent of the total herd. Um, so that's that's probably I'm sure just, something uh, a fifty percent increase or something. 
don't know. E- either either way, I guess the thought Google. of the thought of like culling, meaning going through and, and killing a massive amount of deer, like do you think there's any sense to that? Like is there any thought of Michigan maybe adopting that? Is that even a, a thought right now? Is there even no, any sharpshooters in Michigan? <laughs> right here. <laughs> not, not I. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. Sorry. When, yeah, no, you're good. When when CWD was, we first found it, you know, I mean, what, that's what we were faced with, right? It's, you know, which which path do we want to go down? Do we want to go down uh, the Illinois path where we just try to be super aggressive and just throw everything we can at it, um, including, you know, potentially a month or more of, you know, intensive removal through, through sharpshooting out of season, or do we, you know, try to follow uh, another, you know, approach? Um, you know, some states don't do anything with chronic wasting disease. And, and we kind of chose uh, the middle ground, which basically like, you know, we, we know we're not going to get rid of it. Um, but at the same time, we can't do nothing and just sort of, you know, pretend that it's not there. Um, so that's why we have like things like the baiting ban. Um, that's why we've increased our, our, our changed some of our license structure around increasing analyst opportunities and, and stuff like that. Um, so we do focus on, on things like that. I will say that we do have certain spots in the state where we do deploy, I'm calling them sharpshooters. Um, they, they might take only 200 deer a year out of that area. Um, and it's a pretty broad area too. And we work very closely with landowners. So, uh, we only work on private land where landowners are giving us permission. Uh, so typically it's areas that have a lot of deer and it's really no different than those people getting out of season permits for, for damage purposes. It's just now we're doing it a lot more efficiently and we're getting tests out of it. Uh, so that's, that's kind of how we, we focus on it. We don't, we've not put any sharpshooters at all in Montcalm County or Northeastern Kent County because it would kind of be like going to the, going to the lake and grabbing a, a bucket and saying, start, start reducing the water level. It's just like, you could, you could shoot, you could shoot deer for a long time and certainly you would pull positive animals out of there, but it's so widespread and there are so many animals that have it. And there's so many animals in that area uh, I, I don't think you would make it that it's the disease no. has become established in that area. So we only focus our efforts in places where we determine it as sort of like a spark where maybe if you can reduce like the family group that has it or, or get a few animals out of there, you can actually curb the, 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 the transmission cycle. So now what is the, uh, like what's the, the like the the standard operating procedure for like when somebody when these these sharpshooters that you're talking about go in and they shoot a couple hundred deer out of a particular area widespread area like those two hundred deer what are they doing with them I mean are, are every one yeah. of them being tested and then I mean because one person obviously can't <laughs> eat two hundred deer are they being donated no. to charities or I mean or to to shelters or something like that. Yep. Um, so first, first thing we do is, you know, they, they contact landowners um, and basically say, hey, we're, we're trying to remove some deer off your property. You know, you're close to a CWD area. Would you be willing to participate? And if they say no, then we say, thank you very much. And we walk away. Um, or maybe they come in and say, yes, but I only want you to shoot five. Or 
I only want you to shoot 10 and I only want you to shoot antlerless deer like does. I don't want you to shoot any bucks. So each sharpshooter works with each individual property. So it's almost like a customized approach uh, property by property. Um, and then any deer that's taken through that method is absolutely tested. And we absolutely try to get every single deer donated. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that every deer gets donated because sometimes they do a shooting in the summertime and it's hot and, you know, they're out shooting for three hours. And the first deer that they shoot is probably not good because they're going to keep shooting. Um, but we, they, 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 I would easily say that they donate probably more than 90% of those deer uh, through, through various uh, hunger shelters and whatnot. So that deer is utilized. It, it's typically held by a processor until a, a test result comes back though. So once an animal tests clear of not finding the disease, then it's, then it's allowed to be donated. If it comes back positive, then we work with the processor to pull that animal. And then that, that animal is incinerated. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting yeah. stuff. I know it's not, it's not the most um, appealing thing to talk about, um, but you know, that's, we, that's we are, why we I are brought it trying up. to manage. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to put you on the yes. spot or anything like that, but I want to kind of, I mean, it's just a general question that, I well, think you know, is, you know, people think about it answer. and then the people who think negatively is because they're just not informed. They don't know ne- right, necessarily right, right. enough about it or, you know, you hear, hear about the sharpshooting and they don't understand like that the meat, a lot of the meat's getting donated and they're like, Oh, they're just killing, killing the, killing the herd. Right. Right. There's probably, there's, I mean, to the, to the, the layman or the, somebody who doesn't hunt at all, they probably just think we murder these things and leave them in the woods. They, you know, they're, they're getting tested and they're, they're, you know, either getting donated or we're disposing of them the way that they need to be disposed right. of, you know what I'm right. saying? If they are a positive deer or something like that, that makes sense. That's what so, we're here yeah. for. We're going to educate the masses, man. That's right. We're going to change it. <laughs> well, and I think the important part too is we're, we're working with landowners. So in a lot of these places, there are a lot of deer and, you know, sometimes it's causing conflicts. And a lot of times, you know, these are on large properties. A lot of times they're, they're farming communities. Um, so there's, they can't shoot that many deer in the season. So it's, it's and sometimes welcome for them to come in and say, yeah, I would love for you to reduce our deer numbers by 10%, 20%, whatever. That would be great. And if you can, if, if we're doing a, a, you know, a service by having these deer tested and they get donated all the better. Now, you know, maybe if there's a neighboring property that has a completely different management objective, that individual might be really upset at what's going yeah. on. I, I totally get that. And that happens. Um, yeah. But, you know, we we work with the permission of the landowners in, in every instance. Yeah. When you think about like on the farmer side of it, too, like deer can wreak havoc on on somebody's crops. You know, like last year, one of my main hunting spots like was in the woods and it butted up to a massive cornfield. Um, I was probably 50 yards into the woods from the cornfield, but every single night I saw deer, I saw turkeys, sandhill cranes, raccoons, everything in that corn, like just tearing it apart. And then you think about like on the landowner side, like, yeah, if I owned a big crop field like that and that was like, I was making money off it. Like, yeah, come on in, get rid of these things, test them. Like I'm all for it, you know? But I can see the other side where the landowner's like, no, like I, I, if they're a hunter, they probably don't want you anywhere near it. <laughs> but 
Yeah, a lot of times it's a no-win situation, you know, no matter what decision you you make, yep. you know, somebody's not going to be happy with it. Yep. So, um damned if you do, sure. damned if you don't. That's got to be the name of this episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um all right, enough CWD talk. Dan, unless you got anything else. Nope, nothing on CWD at all. Yeah, let's, yeah, get that, let's get rid of that let's get rid of that negative topic. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess we can I, anybody listening, I I'm sure we know the answer. The baiting ban's not going anywhere, right? Like it's it's here to stay for for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, we're we're not going to well, we're not going to propose it being lifted. Yeah. Um at least in the lower peninsula. I I I do anticipate um, it being lifted. There's a small part of the UP that there's a ban. I do anticipate that being lifted. Okay. Um, long Long story short there, we, we tested one animal that came up positive, I think, in 2018. Um, we've tested about 2,100 deer out of that area since then and haven't found another positive animal. So okay. we're going we're gonna to lift that one. Um, but I don't see it going away, at least from our recommendations in the lower peninsula. And that's not to say uh, if certain commissioners change or, you know, a legislative bill changes that, that you know, forces it gone. Uh, that, that certainly could happen, but it's... You know, we we think it's important to at least keep that as a recommendation moving forward. Yeah. So we're not we're not planning on changing that anytime yeah. soon. I mean, I assume, but you know, I figured there'd probably be somebody listening who's wondering. Yeah. So, well, good stuff. So let's um, uh, like kind of, kind of one of the last things I wanted to talk about real quick was uh, again, uh, one a controversial topic. <laughs> we like controversial topics, but um, antler point restrictions. So I know that's been you know controversial on some of the different things you guys have done in different counties. So I guess any any changes to that coming, or are you seeing any successes with some of the the APRs you're doing? And I know like the what the northern northwest part of the the lower. I think you've got some some different things going on there. Anything that you're seeing though, or any ideas for this year? I, mean, I guess it depends on what your the management focus is. So what we know about antler point restrictions is that they are very good at increasing the age structure of bucks, um, and, and and they are very popular. You know, they're very you know. I think every survey that we've done, we've seen over fifty percent support for antler point restrictions. Um, so so we know that they're very popular. Um, I think we're going to propose. Uh, there's about 19 counties in southern Michigan. We're going to propose putting the antler point restriction back on the, the second tag, the restricted tag, that has been removed for several years now because of some of our early chronic wasting disease response type stuff. And, and we've got some data now that shows it's not really doing anything. There's really no difference. Um, so there's there's a little bit of consistency, but you know we don't have a recommendation to just apply antler point restrictions um you know anywhere new in the state actually ryan i've got a i got a question for you guys because one of the things we've got out of the harvest reporting is you know we were we asked each hunter to uh you know identify how many points are on each side of a you know the branched antler so my question for you for you all is what is what do you think is the percentage of bucks harvested in michigan last year that had at least one rack with three points to a side. The percentage of bucks? Oof. Yeah. Of all the bucks that were reported in the state of Michigan, how many do you think had at least a three-point rack on one side? Oh, man. I, I would bet. I'm guessing it's either really high or really low. I'm going to go really low on this one. 
I, I, I my honest, honest to God, just because of the the hunters that I know and what they shoot, like I would bet like thirty percent, like a th- maybe a third of the deer had had more than three points or more. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go fifteen. Is what, what oh, I, where I was you think we shoot nothing but spikes in this year? One percent, man! Like it's 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 insane. And your, honestly, your Facebook story will tell you otherwise. Some days, <laughs> honestly, I was I was thinking between that same range, like nine nine percent to fourteen percent. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go twelve percent. Okay, it's very exact number. Survey says. <laughs> 84%. It's easy. They're really high, really low. What? Wow. 84% were larger than three points or three points or bigger. Three points 84% bigger. had at least a three point rack on one of at least one of their animals. Really? So at least fork in a brow or whatever it might be. Hmm. Dang. That's still, I was way off. I, I honestly, I just. One pathetic loser. I'm, I'm really, uh, I'm really surprised by that. It's just <laughs> Samsonite. <laughs> and maybe it's just a lot of uh, just smaller. Basket racks, you know, where it's just like a six point think, or seven point. But I think that's probably the case. So first, first thing you got to think of is you got thirteen counties in the northwest twelve in, in the, the northwestern part of the state. You've got what we call the northwest twelve, and then there's also Leelanau County. There's thirteen counties there. That's all you can shoot a three point or above because it's a three point yeah. APR. So each one of those counties is like ninety five percent plus three points. Uh, of every buck that comes through. It's not 100% because youth hunters are exempt from APRs. Um, but still, pretty much every deer that's coming out of those 13 counties is three points to a side. <laughs> then you get down into southern Michigan, and three points to a side is not enough to protect 50% of the yearling bucks. So you get because you've got a lot of really good uh, nutrition, you know, a lot of good agriculture – a lot of those yearling bucks are already in their first rack going to have at least three points to a side. True, true. So when you start thinking about some of those things that go through, um, it's pretty easy to see that, you know, it's going to be a little bit higher number, but I personally was surprised as well. I don't think I would have guessed 84%. No, I, I, you know, thinking about this, I would have never guessed that. Never. All right. Honestly, judging the, bu- judging the bucks on the drive home from, from that <laughs> opening week, they are all spike horns. So I'm just saying. now I wonder. Like, I'm sure you don't have this this data, but like I, I'm I'm curious to see that percentage in bow season compared to that percentage in gun season. Mm-hmm. I just feel like more guys during gun season are shooting whatever they see, right? Like that we've talked about that. Like those. Weekend warriors, they only get to go up for deer season. They're going to shoot whatever they see. So I wonder what that percentage would be for firearm season compared to archery. I'll agree. Bow hunters are a little bit more picky, but at the same time, it's a little bit more difficult to get within range of a mature a mature buck. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So yeah. anyway. Maybe you have that data. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, we we would have it available. I haven't looked at it though, so that's yeah. that's a good one to look at. Because I, I I think there's something to that. Yeah, that would be interesting. What was your other question? So, I I think you had another same same question. Four, four points to a side. How many do you think have four points oh. to a side? I would bet that. Mm, judging by what I saw this year, one percent. <laughs> so you're thinking yeah. statewide. I, I would go with my first number. Then now knowing the other one, I would bet that would definitely be lower, probably like 33%, a third of the bucks harvested 
20, 25.893%. No. <laughs> Time, times pie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I guess I'll go a little higher on this one. Uh, maybe, so uh, what, what you said, 80% were three points or more. 84% was three points. So just, I mean, that's your, that's your top number, right? Cause you're going to have less than that. So four points, so you're, you're how, pretty much looking more? at a seven or eight point or above. Well, that some of those yeah. three points or more could be included in that four points or more. Right. You, you know well, what I'm saying? Yeah. But yeah, but he's how, how many, how many have four though? I mean, we are from Michigan, well, and we might not know how to count to four. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm no mathematician, but three <laughs> points or more could equal four, right? <laughs> so they yeah. they would fall into the same like statistical category. Oh. Oh. Yeah, they would. Like if it's so, if it's three or more, eighty-seven, eighty-four percent. Yeah. Yes. Right. So if it's yes. four or more, they we could be pulling from the same pool here. So if it if, could uh, be, if, yes, it's obviously going to be less than eighty four. Right, 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 right. But yes. but at the same time, some of those are overlapping a little bit. But Mighty fine logical anyway, thinking there, Bob. I mean, very uh, nice. I'm overcomplicating the, the shit out of this <laughs> question. <I know. laughs> so if you carry the one, and then you know you square root, just give us um, a number. Hey, I'm going to go twenty seven percent. Jazz saying, I for I yeah. never asked that fucking question. <laughs> <laughs> I tend to think deeply yeah. on things. All right. Like what is before. it, Chad? Yeah. It's uh just shy of sixty six percent. Oh what? Dang. What? That's I know. Sixty six percent of the bucks harvested had at least so we're basically we're a seven or eight point or higher. Hmm. Like that, I would have never guessed it. Man, these Michiganders are better exactly. than I thought. Because it's all we talked so, about it last time. Like Michigan's always known as not a big buck state, right? Well, maybe it's just people are full of shit. <laughs> maybe just nobody's like everybody's well, hiding their shit. Yeah, you know, there's there's a difference between being a big buck state and shooting a seven point buck, right? True. You know, you can still hey, have a seven, seven point points big buck basket, in my, right? my day. <laughs> I'm okay with it too. Yeah, but. Uh, you know that there is a difference of opinion there and how that's sort of reviewed. Yeah. But um, yeah, again, I was really surprised in looking at, at that data. Now, you know, the, the obvious question there is this is our first year of data. So this is one year. This is one data point. Are bigger bucks more likely to get reported than younger bucks? Maybe, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but we're also working off a pretty darn big sample size here we've got like 170 some thousand bucks that were reported yeah uh last year so it's a pretty big sample size and it's pretty incredible when you think about it yeah and going back to it just it's cool that you have that data because you never had that before right you had what eighteen thousand surveys that you know joe blow uh from (laughs) wherever filled out right I'll, i'll just be honest like how 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 like can you really do any kind of like planning or math with only 18,000 of the half a million deer you're almost trying to account for. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. it, it's such skewed data. Like there's no way to really try to, <laughs> to make a, any kind of, you're really you need the Chad with, Stewart's of the world to be able to figure this shit out. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, so well, this is so much more accurate than what you guys had dealt with in the past. Like, I don't know. I think it's a great thing. I think mm-hmm. it, this could definitely help. You know, for all the the yeah. bad press that the that the DNR may have gotten in 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 past years, I think that this will help you guys make decisions in the future. Like yeah. in leaps and bounds, the data is crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, we're, we're excited with kind of the opportunities and the doors that it's going to open. It's just a matter of, you know, utilizing it to its fullest capabilities for sure. Yeah. All right. So maybe you can, um, you know, set the record straight. How are you measuring that point? Because that's the other one that Ooh, good is controversial. Good of, question. Are they accounting for the points correctly? What's an actual point? <clears throat> Yeah, and that's that's a great question because, you know, all of this data is Hunter provided, right? And, you know, if you've got like a little sticker or a little nubbin at the base of the antler, you know, it's a lot easier to call that buck a seven point than a six point, right? Yep. So, you know, by definition, you know, it's it should have like uh, at least a, a one inch um you know, distance from the, from the main beam off of it. So that's from the, that's from the outermost part of the main beam or the center of the main beam. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Here we go. Here we go. That's (laughs) That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying though. Like it's, you know, because it's going to be asked, like that could be a huge difference if you're going to the the center of the main beam or you're going to the outermost part of the main beam and then out to the tip to be that one inch. I think it's the outermost part of the main beam. That's the way I've always done it. The outermost yeah, I would call it the outermost as well. So, all right, just all right, just set the record straight. Okay, <laughs> Ryan's one. Well, I, I don't even know if he can turn his, his. What did you shoot? A seven point or eight point? No, it's so I measured from the outermost point and I got ten points on mine. But it's like three little stickler ones that he, I'm like. He's it's, trying to turn it into like a fourteen point. It's or nineteen. Something. It's a nineteen point, man. <laughs> no, but I it's measured. I mean, all the little like stickler ones that are like down by the base. Like one of them was like two inches. Like it's. They're kind of a wicked rack, but like I was measuring from the outermost part, part, and I remember measuring it, thinking like, I don't know if this is like the inside of the beam. Am I doing an inch? Am I doing the outermost part? And I read through the guide, and I'm like, well, this is kind of vague. It's one inch. Okay, well, one inch from where? So I'm gonna if just, it's I'm, sticking up and it's one inch, I'm counting that bitch. I don't I'm gonna, care. I'm gonna score your buck for you. <laughs> yeah, score it. I I'll do. Also, I do want to get scored whenever I get it back. I'll but. score it. It's not going to score that much, but <laughs> hey, whatever. Yeah, it's going to score All more. Right, than record's Jimmy's. been set straight for the listeners. Chad Stewart said it. Anybody wants to argue? <laughs> email Chad. So Stewart. it has been said. So it will be done. <laughs> well, Chad the- Stewart said it, I could do it. <laughs> yeah, that's what we're, that's what we tell the CEO. Just reference uh, Chad Stewart. <laughs> we know a guy. We know a guy. Hey, I don't do that. Don't do that. He'll never <laughs> come back on this show. <laughs> right. I'm going to be. He, like, that's when he goes. Chad us. said it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> Conservation officers like sign the ticket. Have yeah. you ever listened to the Terrible Outdoorsman <laughs> podcast? No. Do you even no. know who I am? <laughs> oh man. Well, Chad, uh, any other any other points or any anything else you wanted to to, to chat about or uh, I guess call out from the what you found from the reporting in last year's uh, deer hunting season? No, I think we covered at least a lot of the for me a lot of the cooler stuff that that I would sort of discovered, you know, after diving into it. So, um, yeah, I think, I think we hit quite a few things there. Yeah. Uh, Daniel San, any, anything for Chad? You know, Chad, I, I just think that, you know, coming from, and I, I would call myself a non non deer hunter because I've never done it before. Right. I mean, I've done that, it. That's a good way to call I, it. <laughs> I've done it twice. Okay. I, I've done it like twice and I've never obviously shot one, but, um, you know, coming from like a non deer hunter, I really, am interested to see kind of where this goes knowing kind of where it was to kind of where it is now and where it could be 10 years from now when i'm taking my kid hunting for the first time you know so i think that uh 
you know, you guys just keep up the good work and we, we, we do appreciate and, and hear you guys and uh, we, we appreciate all your guys' efforts. So. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate that. Bob, that's a way to get you back next time. Oh, man, I'm going to put on my tinfoil hat here real quick. Oh God. No, I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Uh, yeah. So as, as a, like a long time hunter, I've been hunting since I was, oh shit, I don't know. 10, eight years old, whatever it was, whenever I first started going out and wearing oversized camouflage. Was that legal back then? <laughs> well, I go and sit with dad. I yeah. mean, I didn't kill nothing until yeah, yeah. I was, until I was licensed. But, um, you know, like so I, I take a lot of pride in being a Michigan hunter and I care a lot about the deer herd. So this was a super, super important conversation that I wanted to be a part of. And uh, so to be able to hear that, like some of the different things that the DNR is doing, um, you know, I mean, like I said, I said it earlier, you guys get a bad rap for a lot of different things. And I think like you're, you're kind of handicapped in a way, you know, like you didn't have all the information. Like, so when you don't have all the information, how do you make a decision on something when you don't know all the facts? So it's like, the, I, I think with the, the deer harvest uh, information and, and, and all the different efforts that you guys are doing to, you know, between CWD, tuberculosis, and, and all the different things that are going on with the Michigan deer herd, you know, like it's, uh, I, I would say it's, it's good to hear that, you know, that you, that you guys are making headway on any kind of way to preserve our deer herd and to try to improve the deer hunting experience for, you know, Michiganders as it is. So yeah, we appreciate you coming on. We appreciate, uh, you know, the hard work that you guys are doing. It's kind of an unseen and unheard thing. You know, some hunter just goes and sits in a stand for a couple of days, a, a year, and is like, I didn't see shit. The DNR sucks, and they didn't, they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And it's just it's just dumb yeah. talk. You know what I'm saying? So I think it's important that guys like you come on, like, and can and let it be known publicly. You know, I yeah. think that that's, that's, a, that's part of it, too, is that, you know, like, oh, man, so, so much anymore that, like, that government agencies and things like that are just kind of looked at with like uh, some kind of weird um, distrust and, and mistrust. You know what I'm saying? Like we're like, do we really believe everything the DNR is telling us? Like <laughs> tinfoil hat shit, you know? And it's like, like, look, the data is all here. You guys made it transparent so anybody can look and see the deer data daily. Yeah. We did, we yeah. were doing it hourly, you know? Yeah. And, and I think it's just cool that you guys have done that. And I, I would like to see improvements on it. You know, just to and and to to keep the the stewards of the land, you know, just kind of in the know. You know what I'm saying? Like guys like me, like Ryan, like Dan, like anyone, any one of us on this podcast, like we care a lot about this. This is like our passion. It's what we yeah. do outside of working. You know we 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 work to live. You yeah. know what I'm saying? We work to hunt type thing. So uh, we appreciate everything you're doing and appreciate you coming on. Yep. Yeah, thanks, Bob. Appreciate that, Bob. Uh, you said it best, man. Like literally, the the DNR gets a really bad rap, and you know I've heard for years. You read forums like the DNR, the they don't manage a deer herd right. Well, how the hell could you when you only had eighteen thousand surveys turned in? Yep. <laughs> Give them the information they need so they can manage the deer herd. They don't know what the deer herd is because they don't know they don't have the information. So, like you said, Bob, that's. I mean, I think the the re mandatory reporting. I'm. I know all of us are super supportive of it. I love the app. I literally link the DNR app in every single episode. I put the DNR app, the link to to, to go right to download the DNR app is linked yep. in every episode. I've done it since it came out, and I always will do it because it's just such a good tool. 
Um, all through deer season, I link the mandatory reporting uh, link to the website in every single episode. Just so you literally you click a button and it takes you right there. You can check it out. Um, and that's like you said, I, we want to get you guys the information so you can manage it the, the best way possible to, to help the deer herd. Cause like Bob said, we're passionate about it. So this is why we're dedicating an entire episode to talking about it. Uh, you know, not everybody's going to listen to it and yeah, it is what it is, but I think it's an important topic and, you know, we'll, we definitely want to have you on in the future, Chad, we can continue to talk about this and see what the deer herd's doing. And, uh, as uh, both these guys said, like I really appreciate you coming on, taking time to talk to to us and our listeners. And you know, if you you'll take time to talk to Jimmy Gredzenser, and you'll 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 talk to us like uh, we feel special, you know. <laughs> Definitely, you're, you're, we're not in the same category. We're not in the same category as Jimmy, but <laughs> we're trying. We hope be. one day to get there. But uh, you know, I just appreciate yeah. you coming on and educating our listeners and uh, doing again doing what you're doing. So. Yeah, thanks, Ryan. I appreciate that. I, and I didn't know you did all those linking in your in your pot. That's pretty awesome. Man. Yeah, that's, that's uh, great, man. And like I said, I, I do it every episode, especially for the app, because I just, I mean, I, I think I talk about it just about every episode. I just almost, yeah, yeah, just because I'm that big of a believer about it. But yeah, I link it in every episode, and I link the, uh, you know, the mandatory harvest reporting. Once you get closer to deer season, that'll be linked in every episode too. <laughs> so um, just so everybody's got quick and easy access to it. So, so. Um, any, any other comments, uh, Chad, as we wrap it up? No, I just, uh, appreciate you guys for having me back on, uh, enjoyed talking with you the first time, enjoyed it just as much as second time. So, um, always, always, uh, happy to be on whenever, whenever you get stuck and need a guest. So uh, <laughs> it's just always fun. Well, good stuff. Well, I appreciate it. Um, I said, we'll, uh, Maybe we'll look to have you out again once we get closer to deer season and, uh, you know, get, get ready to talk some deer hunting. I know. Yeah. Just, just sitting here talking about deer hunting. Like I'm already thinking about deer season. Like, on, Jesus Christ, it's fishing <laughs> season. It's not even like opening day of fishing season yet. Like, come on. Yeah. I'm like, that's how we are though. But, yeah, for real. Yeah. So, uh, thanks again, Chad. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I'll uh, I'll link uh, some of your information. I'll link the uh, the episode of Michigan Outdoors that you were just on. Talks a lot of the same stuff we talked about, but we seem to have a little more fun than with you than than Jimmy did. Jimmy's a little too professional. We like to have a little fun. <laughs> really yeah. back. So I'm, we're gonna ask hard <laughs> questions sometimes. That's true. Well, he did, gonna, he did too. Uh, but I'm gonna ask some hard I'll, questions. I'll link all that in the bio too. Um, but yeah, other than that, thanks everybody for listening. And as always, get outdoors and don't be terrible. Mm-hmm.